Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn with us to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter number three. The book of Ephesians chapter number three, as we are continuing our uh, journey through the book of Ephesians, I want to begin reading down in verse number 13, Ephesians chapter three, verse number 13. I do not have any outline or do not, do not place my outline on the screens tonight, so you're going to have to just pay attention and follow along, and I hope that'll be all right. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 13, the Bible says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. Here we see the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he is letting them know, or this is a prayer that he has prayed for them, and he has wrote that prayer down in uh, ink. And here he prays, and verse number 14, he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is letting the church know that this is his prayer for them, what his desire is that the Holy Spirit might do through Jesus Christ in their life, the life of the church here at Ephesus. In verse number 15, he says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he, that is Jesus Christ, would grant you according to the riches of his glories, watch this, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. If we look down to the rest of this prayer, we find that Paul is praying that the church of Ephesus would be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I've mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again, that I know that sometimes as Baptists, the, talking about the Holy Spirit has become taboo. Yet I will make this very plainly clear that the Bible clearly teaches that we must rely and we need the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. It is evident and it is essential that the church, we cannot conduct ministry and expect results if the Holy Spirit's power is not involved in everything that we do. And so Paul praying, recognizing this, prayed for the church of Ephesus that they would be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. He says, listen, I recognize that you need something outside of your own power and resources, and what you need is the strength of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul prays that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
You say, preacher, do I really need the Holy Spirit? If you have to ask that question, then I dare say you think too highly of yourself. For the truth of the matter is, we are all faced with things that are beyond our capabilities if we would just recognize it. We would recognize our need and reliance upon God himself and his Holy Spirit. We are reliant in needing him because without him we can do nothing. Yet the Bible says that through Christ we can do all things and all things are possible through him and his spirit. And so Paul prays that they might be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. Verse number 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love might be able to comprehend with all saints. And so verse 17 says that Christ, he prayed that the spirit would strengthen the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. The truth of the matter is we talked about faith this morning, but faith... uh, to have great faith, it requires the Holy Spirit's working in our heart to strengthen the inner man. I, I believe there was a man in the Bible who prayed, I believe, Lord, but help thou mine unbelief. And although we have faith to some degree, the truth is to, for you and I to reach a level of faith that we must have, it requires the Holy Spirit to work in our heart and to give us that kind of faith. Look at me in your Bible, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. And I want to read two verses, verses uh, 5 and verse 9. Romans chapter 8, verse number 5. The Bible says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are of the Spirit the things of the Spirit. And verse number 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I want to make this clear that I believe that if you are saved, you have been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it happens at salvation. And so as a Christian, if you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit of Christ dwells within your heart. So I do not need more of the Holy Spirit. What is needed is the Holy Spirit needs more of me. He needs more of my life, and he needs more of your life. And the more we surrender to him, the more control he has over our life. But as a believer, the Holy Spirit of God already dwells within my heart. And so when Paul is praying, he says, listen, that you might be strengthened by the Spirit through faith. He's saying, listen, you need to learn to rely upon him, learn to place your trust in God. And that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, the Bible says, if you do not have the Spirit, you're none of His. If the Holy Spirit does not dwell within your heart, you are not a child of God. The Bible makes that very clear in Romans chapter 8, verse number 9. So if we, have, if we are saved, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And Paul says, listen, I'm praying that Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith, that she being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend He says, listen, I want you to have faith, and that faith comes from the Spirit that Christ dwells within. But then he said that you may be able to comprehend. That is understanding that you might understand with all saints that what is the breadth and length and depth and and height 
and to know the love of Christ. He says, listen, we rely upon the Holy Spirit to have faith. We need greater faith here at North Etowah Baptist Church. We need greater faith as collectively as a church. We need greater faith in our own lives. We need greater faith in our own hearts. We need greater faith in our prayer. We need greater faith in the pulpit. We need greater faith in the preacher's heart. We need greater faith. And but with that, we need the Spirit of God, but also we need that we might comprehend and have understanding. I don't know about you, but there are things that I face on a daily basis that I don't understand. But there are one thing the Bible here specifically says that God, that Paul was praying for them to understand, was that they might be able to comprehend with all saints the breadth, the length, the depth, and height, and know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Paul says, listen, I want you to understand the love of God. Do you understand the love of God? I'll be honest with you. I understand the love of God, but I do not fully understand the width, the height, the breadth, and the depth. When I think I figured it out, um, it grows a little more, and I'm revealed to something else. Many of y'all have children and grandchildren and, and maybe great-grandchildren or even a few of you might have some great-great-grandchildren. And you can probably tell me a whole lot more about this than I can tell you, but I thought I knew much about God's love. And then the Lord gave us some children. And all of a sudden, there was a whole other depth and aspect of the love of God that I had never understood until I had children. I imagine you, which great, uh, grandchildren, can probably tell me that, that that depth, that breadth of the love of God grows even more, and yet it is through the Holy Spirit that we began to reveal these things. And so the Bible's saying that, listen, I, I'm praying, Paul said, for you to have faith, but also that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to the understanding of the love of God. It is a tendency in my own heart to, to limit God and his love for me to my own understanding of love. It's hard for me to comprehend the love of God beyond what my own understanding of love is. My love wants to limit people and forgiveness and compassion and mercy based upon my own limitations. And therefore, sometimes I view God in that same light. And when I'm unwilling to forgive others, I assume that God is that same towards me. When I do not have compassion towards other forgiveness, I want to limit God in my own life that he would reciprocate my own way. And yet the love of God is greater than my understanding. It's greater than me. His love is greater than what I can comprehend. And as my love grows greater and greater, I can only imagine that the love of God is so far beyond my comprehension that he looks down upon me. And even in my weakness, even in my sin, even in my failures and shortcomings, the love of God is greater still than anything I can imagine. And Paul says, I want you to understand the love of God. When we understand the love of God, when we begin to understand and our eyes are open more to who he is. 
It can do two things. One, it can cause us to stir up and to move beyond our own limitations, our own failures, our own past, and say, but yes, but because of the love of God, I want to move forward. But also it can cause us to forgive ourselves and to forgive others because of his great love. Verse number 19 says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, the truth of the matter is, we, um, the way this is worded, it may, may be that we would look at it and say, uh, you mean I can contain the fullness of God within me? And that's really not what the Scripture is saying. Uh, God is too big and too vast to fully be contained within the realms of a human flesh, of myself. He's bigger than that. What the Bible is trying to say here is that we might be filled with the fullness of life through God. That in our life we might be filled, that God might fill every aspect of our heart, that we might know the fullness of God in our lives. Not that we could contain all of God, but that every inch of our lives would be filled with Him. That He might have all of our hearts, that we might have fullness of life through Jesus Christ, that no matter what this world has, and you say, Pastor, to have a good life, to have a great life, to be filled with God and to know the joy of life and the fullness of it, does that mean that I have no sorrows, no trials, no heartaches? No, not hardly. Jesus Christ was the fullness of God. And yet he was despised and rejected of men. He was spit upon and crucified. He was forsaken and rejected by his own disciples. He invested his entire life's ministry into 12 men, and one of them betrayed him. The fullness of life is when we understand that Christ, that God has been pleased and glorified with our lives. And when we recognize that our lives are bringing honor and glory to him, then we can experience the fullness of God in our lives. This week we had a funeral for Sister Virginia Harrison. I shared this at the funeral the other day, but her son, Rex, we uh, met with him about a week ago. He came to my office. We sat down and talked. He told me uh, about his mother. I'd never met Sister Virginia. But these are the words that Rex told me. He said, she finished well. She finished well. He said she loved God with all her heart, loved her family. She finished well. You know, Paul said that his fear was that after he had preached to all men, that he himself would become a castaway. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. He finished his course. He knew the fullness of God in his life. Why? Because he didn't have problems. Oh, no. Paul had more problems than you and I will ever have. 
But he knew the fullness of God because he had completely surrendered his life to God and the Spirit of God had brought about in his life the fullness that God was glorified through him. That should be our desire is that one day when we stand before God, God could look down and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The fullness of God. And then lastly, in verse number 20 it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Paul says, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit might strengthen you. Why? Because he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able to do through his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the unimaginable. What are we asking God for? What are we asking God for? Are we asking big things of God? Are we? The Bible says that he's able to do above all that we ask or even think. It said he's able according to the power that worketh in us. We do not pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to God the Father through Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, he takes our prayers and groanings that cannot be uttered. We are dependent upon him and therefore it is essential that as Christians we learn to rely upon him. Do we rely upon the spirit of God? Do we pray that God's spirit might be evident in our life? If it was important enough for Paul to pray for the church of Ephesus, I dare say that it is essential for you and I to pray that Lord, that your power might be uh, work in and through us, that you might have all of our lives, that we might be fully surrendered and committed to you, that you can do in our lives and our hearts as you see fit. We have a order of service. We try to follow it. I'm not always the best, Brother Ronnie. And it's good. We don't want to have a chaotic church service. We believe the Bible says that all things have been done decently and in order. But I wonder, are we relying upon a program or the Spirit of God? It's good to have a curriculum for Sunday school, for discipleship. It's good to have a plan. We've been doing all kinds of planning for the future and events and things that are coming up. We've got revival coming up. We've been planning for revival, planning for fall festival, getting to plan for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we've got the, the coming up in February, we got the, uh, uh, the couples uh, night out, the couples retreat that evening. And we've got all kinds of planning that we're doing. 
But without the power of God, without the Spirit of God upon us, all of our planning is wasted energy. But if we can pray and surrender ourselves to God and say, Lord, you work in my life however you see fit. God, you work through me. Lord, have all of my life, every breath that I breathe, every word that I utter, every step I take. God, I am all of you. The Bible says that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I guess my question tonight is this. Are we reliant upon God or are we reliant upon ourselves? Are we trusting upon him or do we think we've got it all figured out? Has Calvary lost its power? Has it? Y'all making me nervous. Has Calvary lost its power? Boy, I'm glad you said that. You'd get me nervous there for a moment. Has the Spirit of God lost His power? Has the church lost its power? If so, it's not because of a lack of Him. It starts right here. Is the power of God upon our church? Some would say yes. Others would say and have said no. We cannot dictate what anyone else does. We've got revival meetings scheduled up, but I'll be honest with you, Dr. Nix is going to deliver some powerful sermons. You're going to love him. But if our hearts aren't changed, it'll be nothing more than just a meeting. If the power of God is not upon our church, our ministries, we cannot look around and blame it on anyone else but ourselves. Does God have all of your life? Are you fully surrendered? Are you fully committed to Him? All I can say is, would we examine our own hearts? And if there's any attribute or aspect of our life that we are consumed with ourselves, would we say, dear God, Lord, forgive me. Lord, take all of my life. The psalmist said, search me, try me, examine my heart, God, reveal any sin. 
Lord, anything in my life that I'm not surrendering to you, Lord, anything in my life that I'm being stubborn about, that I'm holding on to my own will, my own desires, my own plans, God, would you take it from me that my life might be completely surrendered to you? I believe it was Fanny Crosby. You know her. She wrote a lot of the songs in the hymn book. A blind lady. She wrote, God had his hand upon her, but she said that she had learned to hold on to the things of this world lightly so that when he required them of her hand, she could release them more freely. See, the Holy Spirit of God, he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, but here's the problem. Often we say, yes, Lord, we want you to move. We want you to do great things. But I'm going to hold on to my will tightly. This is my desire. This is my plan. This is my tradition. This is my background. God, I want you to work. But God, I want you to work in the way, the method, and the means that I've laid out. And anything outside of that. We'll justify it by saying it's not very spiritual. Won't we? God says, just surrender to me. Sell out to me, and God says, I'll take care of the rest. Let's follow him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Tonight, if the Holy Spirit is, has spoke to your heart, I wonder if we would tonight pray. The altars are open if you want to come to the altars. If you want to stay right where you're at, that's fine. But church, I wonder would we take a moment and examine ourselves? Is North Etowah Baptist Church, are we functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit? Or are we working in our own power and might? Are we filled with the Spirit? Is God's hand upon our church? Is God's hand upon your life? If you can't answer with a resounding yes, right now, would you pray and do business with the Lord?